Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Teller County Sheriff's Office podcast. This is Tommy Allen, your host with uh, Sheriff Mike Sol, Renee Bunting, I'm sorry, Lieutenant Renee Bunting, and Under Sheriff Stan Bishop. Thank you, everybody, for coming in. Today, we're going to be talking about the rise, the potential rise in crime throughout really Colorado, the country, and specifically dealing with what's going to be happening in Teller County, correct? We are, Tommy, yeah. Right. Well, then, let's go ahead and get started. So, I'm, I, uh, with everything that's been happening under the current presidential presidential administration, what are we looking at as far as crime being on the rise? Well, Tommy, we're seeing crime exponentially uh, take place throughout the United States. Colorado's uh, no safe haven. You know, we we started out one of the lower crime rates in the country, and within the last four years, we have now become one of the fourth largest in the United States. Um, that's just in Colorado alone. So, yeah, there's there's been a lot of crime. Um, we just did a, a broadcast with the Truth and Liberty Channel. Um, try to get that word out also. We're going to be trying to get this word out to everyone. I just don't see anybody talking about this at the levels that we need it talked about uh, to the communities. Because I, I truly think we're, we're in for a crime wave that, that's going to be really hard to deal with. So what types of crimes are you seeing on the rise? Well, we're seeing a lot of things. Mostly violent crime is one of our biggest uh, crimes that we're dealing with now. And this stems from mental health issues that aren't being taken care of uh, at a legislative level. Um, just a reduction of law enforcement capability at the legislative level in the state. And this is continuing to compound the problems that we're seeing. And, uh, you know, we're starting to see percentages of crime rise. And I know we're going to get into that, but that's it's a big issue here in the state now into our community. And I, I would assume with that also, we're probably seeing property crimes on the way up as well. Oh, property crimes in 2019 to now have rose almost 86 percent uh, in the state of Colorado. And that's just for car thefts alone. That means there's 86 percent more victims of car thefts in the state of Colorado. It'd be, it'd be all too easy for me to, to start pointing fingers at, uh, well, you know, Biden. And, you know, that, that guy that's in the White House, that's kind of when he turns around to shake hands, nobody's there. Well, and, and, and I think there's there's a lot of fingers to be pointed. Right. And a lot of it has to do with state leadership and federal leadership. And, and here's one of the stats that you're going to find that, that just really threw me for a loop. Last year, the ACLU uh, printed a document, and it's, it's called the COVID-19 Jail Depopulation in Colorado. What they're talking about in this document is how they decreased the prison populations and jail populations by 46% since 2019. Well, the interesting side of it, crime rose within those same years almost immediately to 47% overall with a 40% increase in murders in Colorado and 86% increase in um, motor vehicle thefts. And everything across the board was over 40%. And then we became the fourth highest uh, crime within the United States, Colorado. We, we've never had that before. Um, so is there some correlations to depopulation of prisons and jails? Absolutely. Can I point my finger at somebody and say, hey, you're one of the leading causes? Absolutely. So the uh, the early release of criminals and then also what, how, how are prosecutions looking against criminals nowadays? Well, it's becoming harder and harder, right? Cops are on trial, um, not criminals. And that's one of the bigger issues we're starting to see is that they're putting law enforcement officers in the public eye and then also in court on trial. The problem that we're facing is, is that, A, why do law enforcement officers want to do this anymore if they're going to be called the criminal in the matter? Not many. And that's why we're starting to see zero applications or no applications or very low um, application process for being law enforcement. Um, what used to be a, a very respected career field is now looked at as that, that 
basically we have no integrity over anything. And you and I both know you've been overseas enough to see it. And I've been overseas enough to see it. Uh, when you degrade law enforcement in that country, that is the first step to that country losing control uh, and becoming a third world country. And my worry is, is that we're quickly approaching that if it continues. Now, uh, we also are dealing with uh, marijuana and the effects of the legalization of marijuana. What kind of effect has that had on crime? Well, it allowed the cartels to move in, which then allowed the transport and distribution of other types of narcotics, fentanyl, sexual trafficking. Um, a lot of these crimes that you're seeing are going after pills, firearms, uh, jewelry, things that are quick cashable because that's increasing the flow of different narcotics throughout the state. Somebody's got to pay for them. And when you have nothing because you um, aren't having to work for a living, um, what are they going to resort to to get what they need? Well, there's a lot of different things. Yeah, and with the uh, with the increase in, in all of these uh, illicit narcotics being available to the to the people, I'm assuming a lot of that is flowing over the the border. And I mean, even though we are halfway across the country from the border, we are still being affected by that pretty heavily, I would assume. Well, we're a center hub now, right? So when marijuana came in, they were using Colorado as a hub to disperse it because it was legal here in the state to grow it. Um, and really nobody was doing anything. Uh, one of, we were one of the lead agencies that stepped up and said, this is enough, uh, which changed really the whole state outlook on black market marijuana. The, because it was in the hub. We're, we're in the center of Colorado, right? We're supposed to be that shiny gem uh, community where, you know, it's rural Colorado. You're not supposed to see these things. But when we took on the cartel operations and marijuana grows in this county, I mean, you, you couldn't walk down the street without smelling marijuana. I mean, a lot of our residents remember that. You couldn't go somewhere without seeing a, a cartel presence. Um, we, when we had to take our Bearcat and the SWAT team and we were going into subdivisions constantly, busting these grows, I mean, the people saw the, 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 the whole county got involved with it. Our citizens became our biggest support and shield for those issues. Um, so now the problem is, is that that easy to find marijuana grow is not as easy to find anymore. And what's happening now is it opened up all the logistics pieces for those cartels to now ship the fentanyl that you're starting to see on a rise, the heroin, the cocaine, um, the methamphetamines. The other side of it was the rise of a sexual trafficking piece. When did you ever see that stuff in Teller County before? And then all of a sudden we started to see an uptick in it because of these issues. And, the, and one of the biggest concerns I have is that the recidivism issues that are not being documented, that are being swept up under the carpet and nobody has seen. I don't know what recidivism is, and I would yeah. suspect that there are a lot of people out there that don't. Sure. So let me talk about that a little bit. So if you're on probation or parole in the, in the state of Colorado, so a judge sentences you to probation, which means that you now have a mandatory check-in with a state officer to identify that you're following through with your probationary processes. Um, same thing for parole. So you go before a board, they issue you a parole uh, to where maybe I'm on parole for the next two years. And it's a supervised parole piece where an officer of the state is actually checking in on you, making sure that you're doing the right things and you're not um, creating other crimes or creating anything that would hurt uh, your community. Well, that's what we used to say is recidivism. When somebody violated those things, they would go back to jail and they would identify it as recidivism piece. They go back to jail. They would spend the rest of their sentence or the next parole board where they'd come up to do so. So, so they had something that they had to follow through with or they go back to jail. What's happened in recent years is the state has gone to a new model. That model is that we're going to rehabilitate everyone. They've closed a lot of prisons. Um, 
the probation officers and the parole officers do not violate people like they used to. It used to be when I was a young deputy that if somebody violated probation or parole and they say they uh, didn't, they failed to show up for urinalysis where they were going to have to pee in a cup and, and that urinalysis would show that they were hot for methamphetamines, cocaine, heroin, marijuana. Um, if they showed hot for that, they put them in the jail, right? We'd walk them right in the jail. They were then institutionalized right then and there awaiting trial. And then they go back to the department of corrections. What's happening now is that if you're um, the bad guy and you're out on probation and you decide, I'm not going to go in for my mandatory um, urinalysis, they're not going to violate you. In fact, there's a story out of Denver, and I'll, I'll tell you a little bit. Uh, this one's kind of an interesting one to me, and, and I found pages and pages of this in the papers. So this gentleman, he's not a gentleman, he's a criminal. Um, he's on probation. A judge sentences him to a years-long probation. Now, granted, this guy has been in and out of prison his whole life. Um, we used to have, when we still have it on the books, but we're not using it anymore, it was called the three-strike clause, right? So if somebody committed three misdemeanors, they ended up with a felony at the end of it. If they committed three felonies, well, they got a longer term in jail and it elevated their charges. Well, what's happening now is that uh, this, this guy out of Denver um, fails to show up for 28 urinalysis. 28. They never violate him on any of his probationary statuses. There's a time period he's out on probation. He's missed his probationary check-ins to do his urinalysis, which are mandatory, right? It's a stipulation that you're given. You sign when you take probation. He then commits two crimes. Um, one, uh, the, or both of them are prohibited use of a weapon by a previous offender, which means he's a felon and he's found with a firearm uh, and narcotics. So he, during this nine months uh, of his one-year probation, ends up going to court and pleading guilty on one of the charges for uh, prohibited use. I'm sure they... They got rid of the other one if he'll plead to this one. They still don't violate him on his probation. He's still released back into the community. Um, and, and again, this is a three-strike offender. By any other standard, he would be in prison. He then um, attempts to make a robbery at a bank. He then gets in a pursuit where the police are chasing him. And then he later murders someone and kills them. Um, and this all happens in Denver. This guy is supposed to be in prison by any other standard of what we had before when crime was so low in the state. Um, you know, Tommy, he would actually have been in jail, not able to commit these crimes. But instead, the state has allowed him to kill someone. And I, and I think that's my concern is that if we keep releasing them, um, not having any type of justice brought, because you got to think there's now 20... Or, or so cases that he should have been, that recidivism should have been in effect. Once he's violated those things, goes back and is incarcerated, goes back through the, the process of being placed incarcerated, it should so, show a stat for recidivism. That means somebody has committed the crime again while they're supposed to be rehabilitating. Um, all of a sudden, that's okay in our, in our new uh, government. It's okay in our new community in Colorado. But what people don't understand is that that's creating new victims constantly. And the victims have no rights. What of the victims that he had perpetrated prior to this or the crimes he perpetrated where there were victims had any justice for him to be let out? I've got another case that's happening ongoing right now. I've got a, uh, a family <clears throat> that's in fear of their life in the county. 
a gentleman had uh, threatened them with a firearm, um, threatened to beat them up. They got a restraining order for him. He then gets convicted. He shoots at police. Um, he gets convicted, goes to Denver. He ends up in a halfway house. This guy's had multiple offenses prior to this also. He goes to a halfway house, and we get a we don't even get a letter from the state, even though the victim's here. They send the victim a letter that says, hey, we're so sorry. This guy has absconded from us. We don't know where he's at. So now they're in fear of their lives because they think this guy's coming back after him. And what bothers me the most is, is all I can get from the state is, well, we're looking for him. Well, that's nice. Why'd you let him go? Why was he in a halfway house? Who allowed this to, con- to, to continue? Um, he's a violent offender. Um, so, you know, we're seeing this every day. Um, last year, we had two incidences where deputies were fired on multiple times um, by uh, gentlemen that were fleeing. Well, I'm not saying gentlemen. I don't know why I keep saying that, Tommy. I'm sorry. They're criminals. Why those criminals were um, out was beyond me. All of them had parole violations and probationary violations. They had not been um, put back in jail for these crimes. And that's the issue we're running into. And we're seeing it every day in everything we do. Now, the courts are backlogged due to COVID. That was probably the worst um, thing that could have happened to the state of Colorado or any state with the release of inmates at a record pace. And you've got a driving force behind the ACLU the jails were probably the safest place for these people to be. Uh, they were contained. They had health care all the time. Um, you had, I, I, I can't remember what the last stat was, but you had one or two people that actually died from COVID in, while incarcerated. But we decided to release 46% of the inmates across the country or, or in the state of Colorado. And I'd love to see the stats on how many of those reoffended while they got out. Um, but I guarantee you, we won't be able to see those stats because they're not going to bring them forth. It seems like the current administration is really pushing a uh, kind of a culture where the criminals are now the the good guys and the police are now the bad guys, which is really 180 degrees out of the way things should be. Uh, How is that affecting one, your morale around here and two the uh, the crime wave that that seems to be building in, in momentum? Well, and there's several different factors in that. And you got to think the media also is not helping. Um, Right now, they're now going after single officers for everything they've ever done in their career. Cops are going to make mistakes. They're just like anybody else. They're like a mailman, like a pastor of a church. People make mistakes. That's why we're human, right? It's not we're not perfect. The problem is anything that a law enforcement officer does now, A, he's videotaped while he's doing everything he's doing. He can't even talk to someone without having a video running. Um constantly second uh, or court or uh, was it armchair quarterbacked um, for everything they do. And I think that's leading to the fact that now they're, they're liable for everything because they're taking away government immunities. Um, all those issues at a legislative piece, and then they're pushing through legislation without having anybody that understands anything about these bills against law enforcement, just push them through. They're not allowing testimony or if they do allow testimony, it's a farce. Um, these issues are an attempt to destroy law enforcement as we see it in this country. And unless the people stand up and say enough, you're not going to have cops. You're not going to have that law enforcement presence. You're not going to have the country that you grew up in. It's just going. And I think that's one of my concerns. I I was reading an article yesterday. There's a uh, legislator named Pete Lee out of Colorado Springs. 
So his belief in the reduction of all these jails or and prisons, mostly prisons, right? He's saying that last year they were able to save the state roughly $210 million. Well, that sounds good, right? It's a reduction of the state costs. It's all these things. But who bears the cost then? Well, what it's doing is it's bringing all those criminals down to a local level. It, a, it's creating victims. And those victims have no victim rights anymore in the state. Second piece is, is that uh, when you start closing down prisons, you're saving all this money because you're not, you're not doing anything with them. The counties are picking up the cost because our crimes are elevating. You got FBI studies now coming out and saying, yes, law enforcement was right. There is an elevation of crime across the country. Well, you're seeing it everywhere, right? All these blue states are creating an environment where they're reducing the cost for the state. But what they're doing is they're increasing the cost on local taxing authorities, or which is our counties, right? Our local governments. That's where you're starting to see the rise in the costs that we're having to bear to deal with these things. It costs me a lot of money to roll out a SWAT team, keep them trained, fit, ready to go at any, any, any moment. Our overtime last year more than quadrupled uh, based on all the call-outs and services we had to do, the reduction in law enforcement. And at a state level, they're not helping us continue keeping law enforcement academies going. Um, in fact, they're a roadblock to having academies going in the state. So we can't even get people that are certified and into what we do. Um, and then, honestly, we're doing all these ridiculous courses. Um, a lot of it is, is uh, BS courses on um, how we're going to be more helpful and, and we're going to have more uh, abilities to talk to people of um, different circumstances. And, and, hell, I can't even get enough time to continue keeping them on the road with all the training they're making us do for just ridiculous things. Um, and I think we're all facing across the country. And what they don't realize is we're, we're a staff of about 104 personnel. About 70 of those are, are some type of an officer, either jail officers, patrol officers across the board with command staffs. So we're, we're about, I guess, 80 something. Well, if I'm having to do 60 hours a year just in post training to keep up on what we would do anyways, um, the problem is that's 60 extra hours times whatever they're making per hour that I have to pull them off the streets. And the concern I have from communities, well, we're not seeing enough cops. We're not doing this and that. Hey, you're overtime. I get it from uh, our commissioners. You know, they're not bad. They're just trying to understand. But they're also talking to us about, hey, you know, we're not seeing you out there. Where, where's everybody at? We're paying all this overtime. <laughs> Here's my problem with overtime. I only have a certain amount of officers. We're skeleton crew most of the time anyways. We're more better off than most agencies around us but we're still hurting. Um, and and a, an employee can only work 2,080 hours a year. That's a standard 40-hour work week with an officer that's here working, right? I have to give him a vacation. I have to give him his comp time off. I have to train him for 100 and some hours worth of training we have to do just to keep him on the roads. Um, so by the time you're done, I'm only getting them on the street 1,029 hours out of the year. And a lot of that's being mandated by state um, and then federal laws, which my people need time off too. So to backfill for all that, I would need to either double the size of the agency or create a couple hundred thousand overtime. And we struggle with it every day. And that's jail and patrol and every agency starting to deal with it. So those costs are, are being put back onto the community to try to figure this stuff out because uh, the state's not helping us with anything. I'm going to ask about the community from a different direction. In Teller County, we really do seem to have a very law enforcement friendly 
populous in comparison to say El Paso County or some of the other surrounding counties around here, especially if we're talking like Denver or Pueblo. Um, two things. One, does having a, a supportive community like that, is that helpful to you and your, your deputies out there on the street? And two, what can the average person out there, you know, non-law enforcement, guy, guy at home driving to work every day, what can they do to help uh, you in your efforts to maintain law enforcement around the county? I think there's a couple of different things, Tommy. <clears throat> our community is wonderful, right? And our law enforcement officers will respond every time. We have one of the faster response um, in probably around the state. We respond very quickly to any crime that's occurring. But here's what I would tell you as a community. You need to arm yourselves. Um, you need to understand that law enforcement is not going to get to your door when it happens. We just can't. Um, there's not enough of us anymore to do those things. The community has to help themselves make themselves safe. And I think that's the, that's the key. So I'm a big proponent of the second amendment. I think that, uh, we want it, we need it. Um, and that I think community members need to take it very seriously. And I, I'm fortunate in this County, we have a very heavy, um, uh, uh County that loves the second amendment, which I, they have to, um, I'm also one of those people that think it should, you should have the right to bear arms, whether you have a concealed carry permit or not. But right now you have to have a concealed carry permit. And I will tell you, we will issue one right away. Um, and very quickly, uh, we do a very, a very good job at that. Um, and here's the other side, uh, know how to use your firearm. I want you to get as much training as you can. We do stop the bleed courses. We do a lot of different things to help the community with that. Uh, understanding the firearm, understanding the consequences um, we want you to be armed and we want you to be able to defend your families and, and uh, your lives. And I think that's the, the big thing here in this county. And, you know, another thing, Tommy, is um, we're very involved with community. Uh, we have our HOA quarterly meetings. We have um, the coffees with the sheriff. Uh, sheriff does faith-based meetings, uh, and we're out there. The CPR we do every month. Uh, we offer Stop the Bleed. We're actually working with the uh, uh, churches in our community to make sure that, you know, what, what are their needs? What do they need? Um, and that's one of the big things that we do. I, I think that really helps us. Uh, one of the things, the open house that we do every year, uh, the HDSA sponsors that. We have all these people come out. It's a completely free event. Uh, we have people from all over come to that. Same thing with HOA. It doesn't have to be just, you know, uh, they're from all over Tower County that come to that, to the meetings. Yeah, that's one of the things I've noticed about this, the sheriff's office is that that, that community engagement is definitely a two-way street with you. It's the community engaging you, but also you making sure you get sure. out there and stay plugged into the community, especially you, Lieutenant Bunting, out there all <laughs> the time. Being the, I actually saw that you were on the Best of Teller as one of the best uh, community volunteers, even though you know, it's part of your job, but you also volunteer personally for a Absolutely. whole lot of stuff. So um, that I, I do know that the, the sheriff's office is viewed as one of the more transparent maybe the most transparent agency in all this darn state. Well, and Tommy, I think your community has to be a part of it. I think that they need to know because really um, at some point, does it, does policing fall within your community now instead of a law enforcement agency? Because there isn't one. You know, I, my hope is that that pendulum that we talk about will swing back and law enforcement will be better supported. Um, but, you know, there's just a lot of issues out there. I have a little stat for you that I find very interesting. In 2017, um, this state had a return to prison for a committee and or committing a new crime by 2020 was 26%. 26% of people that were released 
um, actually ended back up in Korean and crime. Our recidivism rate at that time was 45%. So if we understand as a state our recidivism rate so high, why would we continue a model that is flawed, failing, uh, and creating more victims in our communities? And this is what I need people to do, right, to help us. I need them to start standing up political action teams, right? I don't care if it's in churches. I don't care if it's in subdivisions, communities across the state. Um, and they really need to get out to vote. Um, it doesn't matter who you are, Democrat or Republican. If you're seeing those types of things or you're a victim of crime, just stop it. And the only way you can stop it is by voting for people that will stop it, by voting for those that um, can um, create change for those communities at a local level. Um, I, I tell you, we have commissioners that are up fighting every day on these against these bills. Um, it's there's a lot going on. I got you have a sheriff's association that has lobbyists. You have a police department that have lobbyists. You have uh, the district attorney's council has lobbyists. All of us are working together now. And the thing is, is that I still have legislators and state representatives walking away from us, acting like we don't exist and that they know better. Well, I'm telling you right now, they don't know better. And actually, I think some of them are just full of baloney. Um, if you go to the, some of the Denver legislators, they're full of baloney. This, this is creating crime in their neighborhoods at a level that has not been seen before. And here's a funny thing, and they hammer me on this all the time. Well, if I continue to arrest uh, immigrants that have committed crimes, I'm, I'm just um, creating a distrust within their communities. Well, let me tell you where distrust starts. Distrust starts when the fact that they, those people that are good can't tell the truth because they're worried about so-and-so being left out and let back out of prison and into their communities to where they can commit more crimes on them. Why would anybody call you if you know that somebody's going to be released from prison tomorrow because we're not going to hold them anyways and they're going to get to go back to home or in that community right next door to you? Why would you say anything to law enforcement? What's really creating the distance and block between law enforcement and his communities is these legislatures. They're the ones allowing people not to be held accountable for their crimes. When you don't hold the people accountable for their crimes, those victims go, why am I going to say anything about this if they're just going to get let loose to come after me? And there's nothing we can do to stop them. You can go get a restraining order, and it helps, right? And we're going to take them to justice if they violate it. But if they kill you or they beat you, um, who's going to call in that they violated a restraining order that we're not going to be able to do anything about when a court lets them loose? Because now we have this bonding system that says they have to be bonded out of jail. So as soon as they commit the crime, they go in, they get bonded loose, and they're right back out in the community to do it again. That is creating the distrust of law enforcement because they're seeing us as not being able to do anything about it anymore. And you know what? They're right. We can't do anything about it anymore because the court system's uh, because of the legislatures are allowing that to occur. We're just the focal point as law enforcement that people see every day. In the simplest terms, because I'm a simple term kind of guy, carrot and stick. Now it's, it's no longer carrot and stick. It's now carrot and carrot. And here I have some more carrots. Uh, if, there's no, if there's no backstop, if there's no consequence to ignoring or not following through with what you're supposed to do, there are a lot of people out there that why in the world would they do the right thing if they aren't going to be held accountable for not doing the right thing. So, well, uh, and you're seeing it, Tommy, with the frustration in communities. Oh yeah. You're seeing it now in cities across the country. You know, when, when you go to Seattle and you have the legislatures 
hiring their own security forces, but they're taking away your law enforcement, which is a protector for the folks that cannot afford their high-end security. Remember, I had a security, I have a security company. I know what it costs to have private security. It's not cheap. It's in the millions of dollars. Um, and uh, that probably would fund a police department, right? But the city's having to cough up the money to provide private security for some of these states or, or some of these big dem cities. Uh, I didn't call them dumb cities, but it's close, right? It's a dem city. Those dem cities are losing the ability to have law enforcement officers because nobody wants to work for that. Um, and I think, you know, law enforcement for the most part, we don't care what, if you're a Democrat, Republican, we don't care, right? Your constituents or you're, you're the citizens that we were sworn to protect. Um, but when we can't protect you anymore, it frustrates a law enforcement officer when he can't do, or she can't do their job that creates them not wanting to do it anymore because they can't win, right? Law enforcement's a win uh, organization, right? We, we have to win every day to keep our lives sometimes, but also to keep everybody safe and protected. Um, that's what we're attempting to do. We're winning for those victims. And the problem is they're taking away our ability to win. So if you're on the losing team every single time, do you want to be on a losing team? I mean, if you most, if you ask most of the listeners, what are they going to tell you? I don't want to be a cop. I couldn't put up with that. Well, that's the problem. We're losing people that want to put up with that, that want to, that, that can't do this anymore. And that's the scary thing to me. This is something I grew up and I wanted to do my whole life. Um, and there's so many people here that love this job, want to help a community. That's who they are, right? They respond every day. They don't stop. There is no stop in them. Um, and they're being forced to stop. And that's what scares me. It is good to know, however, that the deputies are still out there working their butts off to, to make sure that the, the county is, is safe um, and, and that uh, they're responding to those emergencies and things like that. It, it is unfortunate that, that they're doing so with one hand politically tied behind their back. Uh, but the deputies, the leaders in this organization that I am lucky enough to know, I always enjoy seeing them out there in the community and, and working hard to make sure that everybody is, is oh, Tommy, doing they, well. They'll, they'll do anything. I mean, and, and here we have a recent example, right? Somebody's firing at everybody in the neighborhood. Deputies respond. They're evacuating people. They're doing everything they possibly can do to save lives. That's who they are. They are good men and women that just want to do the right thing. Um, do we have missteps at times? Yeah, absolutely. That's what happens. But for the most part, these deputies are some of the best individuals and team players I've ever met in my life. And they do it every day to protect the community. And I'll, I'll be honest, our community is one of the best communities I've ever seen. Um, but here's the thing. At the end of the day, I want people to understand what they're dealing with, right? That's part of that transparency. The communities need to know because nobody's talking about it. And it's frustrating because we need all of their help um, in pushing forward and getting the right people in office to do the right things. Um, because that's so important. We've seen it, right? This state is an example of it. We went from low crime to all of a sudden when that, when we lost the house, the Senate and the governor side, we went to fourth, fourth in the, in the United States on highest crime rates and rise of crime. Nobody would have ever thought Colorado would have been in that position. You know, I ask you, if you do a community event, how many people are victims of a crime? You'll have over half the room raise their hands now. That, that to me is not uh, what the legislatures are there for. Here's the thing about legislatures, right? There's two main things they're supposed to be doing in this state. Public safety and life safety. Th those are the two corner blocks to what government was designed for. And they're failing. They're failing every day. 
So anyways, Tommy, that's all I got for you. Okay. <laughs> it's a mouthful, but I, that's all I could get out. <laughs> well, thank you for joining me today, everybody. Um, yeah, this, this hopefully is an eye opener for a lot of people out there. And I think the takeaway is no matter who you are, Republican, Democrat, uh, man, woman, child, regardless of your ethnicity or religion, your safety, the safety of your family should be paramount. It shouldn't, idealism is fine, but don't let it get in the way of doing what's right for your family and the families around you. Get out there, vote appropriately to protect yourselves and protect everybody around you. Go ahead and ding a few times if you have to. And then <laughs> after that, and then, you know, Watch uh, your communities become safer and more improved places where everybody can have freedom of movement, freedom to enjoy their lives. Really, that's about it. Hello, Undersheriff. How are you, sir? You doing good over there? (laughs) (laughs) Well, with that, this is Tommy Allen with the Teller County Sheriff's Office podcast. And we're going to go ahead and close this out. Uh, By the way, we're going to go ahead and start doing this on a regular basis again. We had some things come up that, that... prevented us from from doing this uh, as we were before, but we're going to get back into it. So look forward to more podcasts from this source, and we'll talk to you next time. Can I throw one more thing? Oh, one more thing from the sheriff. So you're going to start seeing us on a whole lot of different things. Um, We're looking to do this on the news and talk about these issues. We worked with Karis on the Truth and Liberty channel to get this message out there. I want to get this message out on every playing field I possibly can, because if we don't have people know what's going on, Um, we're not doing our job either. So you're going to start seeing us on a lot of different uh, venues. Make sure this message gets out. So thank you, Tommy. Oh, and also, as you're listening to this, share it. Share it with your friends. Share it with your family. Um, Get that information out to everybody who you can that can make a difference with us. All right. Thank you very much, everybody. And we'll talk to you next time.